If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please open to 1 John. Today we begin the fifth chapter. 1 John chapter 5. This morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And if you are able, please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the, loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we are the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Pray with me, please. Lord, this is your word. We do not approach this like we approach other books. Because, Lord, as the supreme author of this word, you're perfect, you're infallible. So, Lord, the word you give to us is God-breathed. It's an errant infallible. Open our ears and our hearts to receive it this day. May we grow in grace and knowledge. If there's one here who doesn't know Jesus, we pray that he or she would be drawn to you savingly through your Holy Spirit. And God, as we continue to walk through this fifth chapter, this final chapter of 1 John, impress upon our hearts and our minds the truths of your word. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, we were talking a lot about babies getting ready to be born here in the congregation. You know, one of the blessings that I have as a pastor is that from time to time, when a new baby is born in our congregation, sometimes I have the opportunity to go to the hospital and, and see that baby or maybe to the house early on when, after the baby has been born. And one of the blessings of that is that I always get to be part of a conversation that's kind of going on amongst family members, but I just kind of get to stand to the side and listen to the conversation. And the conversation is usually about the baby and what the baby looks like. And you'll have these sayings from maybe the mom, the dad, a grandparent, a sibling, whatever. You'll, you'll hear something like this. That baby has his father's nose or his mother's eyes. Have you said this? Any, anything like this? Or that, that baby has her Aunt Susie's lips and her Uncle Johnny's ears. Grandparents might say something like this. If you're the grandmother, oh, my, my sweet baby, she, she, my sweet granddaughter looks like me, but she has her grandfather's bad attitude, you know, something like that. But it's a conversation about family traits. And as children get older, you know, especially if there's a lot of children in your family, there's a lot of siblings, people might start to say something like this, all your kids look alike. Or as soon as I saw that child, I knew that child was a Lesh, or a Timberlake, or a Strecker, whatever it might be, that there's something, there's a quality about your family that is easy to identify. 
I remember years ago when I started dating Deirdre, I remember I called her house one day and her sister answered the phone. And they sounded so much alike just in their voice, I had no idea. I mean, it's hard enough to tell them apart just by looking at them because they're identical twins. So I can't even tell visually which one's which. Now I can't even tell which one's which on the phone. Their voices sounded so much alike. And there's a reason for that. They're, they're in the same family. They're sharing traits. There's, there's something about being in a family that looks, personality, attitudes, actions, beliefs, these are all family traits. Well, just like here on earth, families share traits, the Bible teaches us that we are part of a spiritual family as Christians. In fact, this text says we are all the children of God. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we share the same Father. Look at verse 1 of the text. Verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. If you have trusted Christ for salvation, you've repented of your sin, you're following Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're born of God. You're part of a spiritual family that we share the same Father, and as such, that family is going to have traits. There's going to be things that are seen alike in the children of God. Now, throughout this book, if you'll remember, long time ago, several months ago, when I started this book, I walked all the way over here to this side of the stage. And I said, within this book, there's three things, what I'm going to call traits or tests, if you will. Three traits or tests that John says the children of God will have if you are truly a child of God. The first test or trait was this. It was the love test. That if you are truly a child of God, you will truly love God with all your heart and you will love your neighbor as yourself. The second was a moral test. That the children of God will desire to live righteously in this world. The third test was a doctrinal test. That we're going to have a proper doctrine of who Jesus is, that he's fully God and fully man. And if you've been here throughout this series of 1 John, you've watched all three of these come in and out of the text. They're cycling all through this book. They're everywhere in the book, these three tests. And what's amazing about the text that we have today is that all three of those things are found in this text, in verses 1 through 5. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look once again at those three tests. And as we do that, we're going to break open the Bible, and we're going to look back, and we're going to look forward. By looking back, we're going to see where did the first, where did John talk about this test in this book? By looking forward, we're going to see where is he talking about it today in this text. Because you're going to see all three of the ability to look back and to look forward. Now, before we do that, I want to clarify one thing. Yes, John is saying that there's three tests. The love test, the moral test, the doctrinal test. 
But what he is not saying is that if you do something, you're going to justify yourself before God. If you do one of these things, you're going to justify yourself before God. He's not saying if you obey God or live righteously, that you're going to merit your justification. The only way that you and I can be saved is because of what Christ has done for us. He died on the cross for our sins. We can't earn that, and we certainly don't deserve what he has done for us. And God's Holy Spirit draws us savingly to God that we trust Christ by grace through faith in him and him him alone. But what this is saying is that if that is true in your life, if you really know Jesus, then there's going to be evidences in your life that show that. And these three tests are the evidences that you really know Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? This is not works righteousness. These are simply evidences that you know Jesus. So look at, let's look at that first test together. I call it the love test, the love trait, a trait that all children of the king will have. So the question is, do you have love for God and for your brothers? Let's look back. Turn with me to chapter 3, verse 14. Where have you seen this before? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Look at chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So you see, in the past, he has cycled through this lesson, the test of love. Let's look forward. Today it's found in chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And here it is. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. All these texts, looking back, looking forward, teach us that, we have, that if we have received love from God, which we have, we are called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to love other people. You remember Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And this was his answer. And you know it. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And right there we see it. That vertical relationship, the horizontal relationship. Love God because he has loved you. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And let that impact your life that you can go love others as yourself. This is the test of the first family trait. And according to Jesus, it's the greatest commandment to love God and to love your neighbor. You know, Scripture gives us so many examples of people who have a true love for God and for other people. You know, you think about Mary. Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And just sat there and loved 
Jesus. You think about people like Peter and Paul, who the book of Acts says that they went through so much hardship in life because their love for God captivated them. And they had a desire to share that love with other people. And they went to such great distances to do that. Peter, mainly to the Jews. Paul, mainly to the Gentiles. To the point of their death, these men were showing forth their devoted love to their Heavenly Father and the fact that they were going to do whatever they could do to tell other people about Jesus. They were literally going to what they knew as the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. Their vertical relationship drove their horizontal relationship. A few moments ago, Daryl read a text. It's a text that we've looked at before in this study of 1 John. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I want to reread it. This is what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus says that love for others is the defining mark of the Christian. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. According to Jesus, the number one mark of the believer that's going to set him apart from other people is his love for one another. So that brings it home to us right now. We have to ask the question, is that family trait in our lives? Would we pass the love test? Do we have a genuine love for God and a love for other people? If someone looked at our lives, when we examine our own lives, would it be the list that's found in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, keeps no record of wrong, it protects, it trusts, it perseveres. Is that our heart for other people? John says that's the test. Do you have the family trait Because as Jesus is like that, as he is a loving God towards us, he's calling us to love others. So that's the first family trait. The first test is the love test. But secondly, as we've already spoken of, this text reminds us of the second test, which I'm calling the moral test. It asks asks the question, Do we live righteously? Do we obey the Lord? And as we said, let's look back before we look forward. Where in the book of 1 John has he talked about this moral test, this living righteously before God? It starts in chapter 1. Look there with me. This is 1 John 1, 6 and 7. The Bible says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The picture there is walking in darkness versus walking in the light. Walking in darkness is walking in a life of disobedience and dishonor to God. And John's calling believers, if you truly know Jesus, you're going to be walking in the light and towards the light. 
the light of Christ. He talked about it in chapter 2, verse 3. Look with me. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Chapter 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. That's looking back, looking forward. What does today's text say about the same issue? Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 5. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Did you hear that? His commandments are not burdensome. Beloved, these texts are teaching us that faith is proved by obedience to a holy God. The Lord Jesus said it this way in the Gospel of John. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If if there is a true vertical relationship there, if there is a genuine love for God, that's going to play itself out in your life by keeping the commandments of God. You know, the Old Testament is full of stories about obedience. Think about the book of Daniel. You have these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were put under temptation to bow to an idol. And it would have been the easy thing to do, wouldn't it? To just blend in and be like everybody else. But they chose to obey God. They knew about the fiery furnace, but they chose to obey God. And you have Daniel himself. He knew the decree of the king. But what was he going to do? It was more important for Daniel to please God than man. So Daniel prayed. And he knew about the lion's den, but he obeyed God because he loved God with all his heart. He loved God so much more than anything else. And this is what we need to learn about obedience. The Bible never says that obedience is going to be easy. Because I'm sure it was tough for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and Daniel even to make that decision. The Bible never promises it's going to be easy. But it will teach us that obeying God will always be our delight. It'll be a delight for those Hebrew boys, for Daniel to obey God because they knew they were pleasing their heavenly father. We think about things, we think about Psalm 119. Here's what it says about obeying God. The psalmist says, I delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Your testimonies, God, are my delight. They are my counselors. Oh, how I love your law, the Bible says. On it I will meditate day and night. Beloved, it might be hard. Obedience might be hard, but the Bible teaches us to delight in it. It might be hard, but it's not burdensome. You didn't have to twist those Hebrew boys' arms to get them to do what they did. It wasn't a burden to them. 
They delighted to obey God even though it was hard to do. So this brings it home once again to us. How about us? Do we delight to obey God? Or is that something that is burdensome? This text teaches us that for the true believer, obedience to his commands is not burdensome. So do you pass that moral test? Do you have the family trait of obeying God and desiring to live righteously before him? Number three. We've seen the love test. We've seen the moral test. Finally, the doctrinal test. It's found again in the text today. Do you have a proper understanding of the doctrine of Jesus? Do you know who He is? 1 John, He's talked about it several times. Let's look back. Let's look back. Where has He spoken of this? Look with me. Chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the, the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Look at chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. What you have heard was coming, and now is in the world already. That's looking back. What does he say today as we look forward? It's found in verse 1 and 5. Look at verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So it talks about Jesus being the Christ. Look at verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So right here again, you see the cycle. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. You can't deny that. And if you deny that, the floor falls out of Christianity. You see, again, there was a heresy going on in this church. There was a group of people called the Docetists. They said, Jesus was never a man. He just appeared to be a man. Their line of thought said that anything that had flesh and blood was inherently bad, so Jesus couldn't have had flesh and blood. And John writes to them in the first chapter, he says, let me talk to you about the man Jesus. Because I saw him, I heard him, and I touched him. He's really a man. I walked with him through life. Come listen to me because I watched him eat. I watched him sleep. I watched him grieve. He had real tears coming down his face. I saw the blood coming out of his hands and his side. He's really a man. And by the way, John could also say, he's really God. John could say, read my gospel and you'll see how Jesus is fully God. Read that 11th chapter when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come out of that grave. Let me tell you about chapter 2 in my gospel. See, Jesus was at a wedding and he turned water into wine. 
When Jesus healed the people who were sick, I was there. I saw it. He's fully and completely God. You can't deny his humanity. You can't deny his divinity. He's the Son of God, the Messiah. Do you pass the doctrinal test? Because this text says if you're a true child of God, you're going to have this right in your life. You can't err here. Do you believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man? As we close here today, I hope you can see these three tests. They're not only found in this text. They're everywhere in this book. That John is cycling through them one by one, over and over, repeating himself, intentionally repeating himself, because these things are so important. And the first one is this, the love test. Do you have a true love for God and other people? Like Peter and Paul and Mary, do you desire to sit at the feet of Jesus and share the gospel with other people and love them the way Christ has loved you? Take a look at that moral test. Do you seek to obey God like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel? Yes, that's going to be hard, but it's not going to be a burden because that's going to be your delight to live out your faith for the gospel. And do you pass that doctrinal test, believing that Jesus is not just a good example? He's not a man who once became God. Then went back to being a man, that he's fully God. He's fully man. One person with two natures forever, the person of Jesus Christ. John shows us this Christology all through this book. But as we talk about John, as we talk about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, as we talk about Mary, Peter, and Paul, we also have to note that they have one other thing in common. All of them. They all have a true saving faith in God. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You know, as we think about these biblical examples from the Old Testament and the New Testament we've talked about today, one commentator said it this way. He says, sometimes we'll think about those people being superhuman, <laughs> having a gift that we don't have. But he says, but these men and women, they were just ordinary people who had to face trials and temptations just like you and I face. So what makes them great? Their faith. Their faith in God made them conquer, and their enduring faithfulness to the truth of God's Word made them victorious. You see, because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, they could overcome this old world, is what this Bible says. They could overcome the temporary nature of this world. They could overcome what John called earlier in this book, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. You see, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, believers are no longer of this world system. As Colossians says, we've been rescued from the domain of darkness. We've been transferred to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's beloved Son. 
that your citizenship, my citizenship, it's in heaven, that we're actually strangers living in, a war, in, this, in this world. Believers then are invincible overcomers, not because of anything in ourselves, but because of Jesus Christ, because of his power working in and through us. Praise be to God. Let's pray.